Hey everyone, welcome to Movie Film with Bill and Steve. I'm Steve. And I'm Bill. Uh, movie talk. So, let's talk about movies. Uh, I don't feel comfortable doing this episode anymore, Steve. <laughs> uh, I am uh, doing a uh, Japanese-speaking uh, English impersonation uh, because of the film that I just watched. Oh, okay. I guess it's the best way to introduce people to uh, our Asian Film Month by being very racist. Um, yes. I, I, have no defense to, <laughs> I have no defense to that. Hey, man, call it like you see it. What you see is what you get. Uh, it come come uh, 2020 when this is five ninety nine. Uh, people will feel like they got gypped. I know, right? <laughs> I, I, I'm pretty sure that's 2020. I'm, I'm sorry if I'm forgetting this. No, bit. it's 2020. It's... Man, I'm so on the money. <laughs> I will be in the money come 2020 when come. 5.99 per episode, baby. Oh man, we're gonna have so much money. So much money. We're gonna be able to make another film. No films till then, though. No films till then, because <laughs> people keep on it. not buying my physical DVDs or donating to the Kickstarters. But I watched your movie on YouTube. That means I'm supporting you. No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic. Steve, how are you doing this week? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, the whole Spider-Man at the circus thing went super well. It was a good time. Uh, working a gig like that is cool because it's in an arena. So it's less like a, uh, state, like a play on a stage and more like I'm a professional wrestler working the crowd. Now, did you give Doom a pile driver? I did not give him a pile driver. I, I whipped out some Hulk Hogan ears. At one point, I did do the Ultimate Warrior rope shake on the handle of the uh, in front of the chairs of the arena. And uh, I did a lot of uh, pumping up the crowd between hits on Doom. That's good. So I, I did that, but no pile driver. So really, in a way, what you're doing is, is wrestling. You're just not. Yeah, honestly. You're just not wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> I wish, oh man, that'd be so great if it was more like professional wrestling oh, just it kind of is you got the showmanship down in the, prof in the performance oh yes the, the, in the sense of the showmanship and the performance yes i just wanted to do more hits on him with me slamming the ground with my feet that's what you should do and you should uh and rock take, bottoms and, and, and suplexes <laughs> get him tied up in the ropes spider bottom uh get get some color <laughs> yeah ask doom where he hides his blade <laughs> We gotta hey, cut Jim. ourselves, even though we're covered from head to toe in costume. Gotta get some color. <laughs> gotta get some color. Is Spider-Man's bleeding? Are you sure? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's just red. He's still pretty red. I know you have to come out there as, as um, big-time Spidey and the, uh, I guess, the Future Foundation costume. There you go. That'll get some good, everyone get some color. Perfect. Perfect. Perfect right there. How are you doing, Bill? Uh, I'm doing uh, fine. Uh, I went and saw, I think I talked about this last week, I went and saw Furious 7. Uh, quick review. It was great, uh, fantastic, and apparently everyone else thought so because it is the ninth highest-grossing opening weekend of all time. That's cool. Made close to 150 million dollars. Wow. I know, right? And it's it's already. I don't think there's anything. I don't. I mean, I didn't look and see what's coming out this weekend, but it's already being predicted to be another number one film this weekend as well. Probably. So it's it's going to be set for uh, up until the Avengers comes out. It'll probably be the number one every weekend. I would imagine. Probably. Even when the Avengers come out, it'll still be number one. Yeah, because, I mean, I don't know what else is going on that's really going to top that. Except, uh, there was funny, uh, there was talk, because that the weekend the Avengers is coming out, I think it's the weekend, the same weekend, um, that is when the Floyd Mayweather uh, Pacquiao boxing fight is going to take place, mm -hmm. and Disney was actually worried that that might interfere with box office numbers for the Avengers. That's awesome. 
because that fight's apparently already set to make big money. Yeah. I, I barely follow wrestling. I, or rather, I used to follow wrestling semi semi uh, casually, and um, even I yeah. How much I see your fuck. Um, and even I I don't know I, I don't know where the fuck I was going with this shit. I fucked this up. Damn it. <laughs> oh, I barely I used to, I barely follow wrestling now, and I even I understand that's a huge deal, and and that's just gonna make major money on pay-per-views i hear like tickets for ringside for that event at the actual live events like two hundred fifty thousand dollars. holy shit like i mean everyone there was gonna make some money <laughs> so that should be uh interesting um and i other than that there's like nothing else coming out around then so and i, I don't know well Until... well i look forward to the first big important release of may and that's mad max for your road that's true. That just come out made. I keep. I mean, I'm so bad on like what's what's com- what's coming out this year. I know Star Wars and I know Avengers and I know Mad Max Fury Road, but other like when they're actually coming out, fuck, I don't remember. Yeah, I'm the worst. I remember that kind of stuff. But what I'm good at doing is reading the news. News the time. The film. Um, I guess we'll kick things off here for a little bit. Uh, some current rumors going around. There might be another uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo book in that series which has sparked more conversation because apparently sony is still looking to make the second film and the u.s version of the of the series mm-hmm. uh but it looks like they'll be moving forward without david fincher um mostly because of budgetary reasons mm-hmm. um which is silly because sony gave him the money they gave him to do the first film and then the film just made it's made money just not like bonkers money that sony wanted a lot of studios are... I'm seeing that a lot with studios, both in, like, movie and video game studios, where they're pumping so much money into something that it comes out and it does really well, but because they've spent so much that it doesn't do as well as they were unnaturally hoping for. Yeah, I what? guess my favorite example is still Green Lantern. Green, La- yeah. Green Lantern's a great movie one. Uh, I know, like, Tomb Raider is a good... The new Tomb Raider, I mean, was a really good video game example because that made, like, crazy money and crazy sales. It topped the charts for, like, record times, and even with all of those sales, it still didn't make as much money as they wanted. I, yeah, I mean, I, what did they want? I don't... I mean, I, I don't I, know, but it, they were talking about how it was a disappointment and stuff, and that's why, like... It can't, it's budget can't be, like, as much as, like, the GTA games. I mean, those movie, the movies sell. Those <laughs> budgets are astronomical, and they still pump those out and make money. I don't know if Eidos... Uh, Square Eidos... I don't know who... Square... I think it's Squaresoft owns... Yeah, it's Square, yeah. Square Enix, I'm sorry. Square Enix owns Eidos, so... I don't know if they just had weird expectations but on yeah. what they are going to make. But, yeah, it's just uh, a lot of studios in multiple medias... Uh, cannot shake this idea of keep throw money at it and that will automatically make it make more money. Uh, yeah. Like it's okay to keep things under a certain budget uh, and make the same amount of money. Why make six hundred? I don't know. I'll try to say here. Why make one three hundred million dollar film that's only going to make three hundred ten when you can make like two hundred fifty million dollar films that'll make each make two fifty two fifty three hundred you know can go in there if anything studios should it's funny because like movies recently that have been really cheap have been making gangbusters i know i keep referencing the lego movie which for an animated film it had a pretty tiny budget yeah for an animated movie if you compare it to like any of the disney ones like froze like any recent disney films like frozen wreck it ralph any of those type of things its Mm -hmm. budget is tiny compared to those and it made oh man hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars Mm mm-hmm 
Uh, so I mean, I mean, it's it's funny how it's like the big films they want to make all the money, they make none of the money. But the films they put the least amount of money into, they make a lot, you know, tons of money. And then the sequel gets a a huge budget and does make a lot of money. Potentially, I mean, yeah. I, those ones we're still waiting to see what happens with the Lego movie sequel and the spinoff. But uh, oh, I mean, crap. the Lego Batman movie is going to have a budget of uh, one billion dollars. <laughs> I guess it's going to wait and see how the Avengers does. The Avengers, Age of Ultron, they've put so much money into that movie. So and much money. I think, I mean, I, I still can't find the article. I've been hearing a lot from people, so I don't feel like, I don't feel like it's just, you know, not non-existent. But I keep hearing, several different people keep talking about there was a Forbes article that was made back when they were starting production stuff saying that with the current estimate for budget and marketing and everything, Age of Ultron needs to make a billion dollars opening weekend or it won't make its money back. Right. I remember. I remember that. Because of you know drop offs and things like that from you know especially international off box office they don't the studios don't get all that money back I think China they see half or less come back. Mm-hmm. So I mean like they they gotta make a lot of money to make that money back. So that's one of those weird like man that's a lot of money. But I um but back to the Dragon Tattoo series um I don't know how I feel about losing David Fincher. I felt like the first film was really good. Be- it, because it was Fincher, Fincher's uh, style directing, the way the film looked and everything was great. Yeah, it was a visually very unique film. So I'm worried. I feel like, I don't know. I feel like worried they're going to make more if they lose him. They have cheap budgets. I feel like they're just not going to be worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Cause at least, at least the, with Fincher and his style of directing and everything, the first film can at least feel pretty different than the first, uh, the Norwegian. I, I forget the country of origin. For but the, the original the, one, the yeah. The original three films. Uh, so I mean I've seen a bit of those and yeah it's it's good to have something really separate them and I don't I don't know if it and Fincher was basically that separation yeah exactly and plus the cast was great and stuff I mean I don't know if they're ever gonna bring, they're gonna bring back Rooney Mara or Daniel Craig or anything like that so that's all gonna be interesting to see where they go with that series or yeah. if they just leave it off hey, the table curious to see what they do yeah uh, curious to see what's gonna happen in Human Centipede three. I, uh, I hope that uh, it's going to be a 500-person centipede. Uh, you'd be right on the money, baby. Awesome. Um, I feel like that everyone's kind of posting about this stuff, and I feel it's funny because the director's been pretty adamant about like where he's going to take everything from movie to movie. <laughs> um, and really good on him for making these movies still. Uh, apparently it's going to come out in theaters and VOD on May 22nd. That's awesome. Um, it's still starring the like evil scientist guy for the first film, so it's not quite going the weird the route the second movie, one yeah. did. Yeah, the second one was the hard one. Um, yeah, I mean, it, cool. You know, it's really interesting they keep making these movies. But I guess people who have some fatuation with this, like, gross, like, reputation these films have, really, for the, I don't know, the whole, like, audience of people who are going to go, oh, man, you have to see this movie. It's so gross. Mm-hmm. Are really helping these films make their money. Yeah, whatever. Um, what bothers me is that they've never actually made a centipede in these films. Uh, centipede yeah. has 100 legs. Um, the first centipede only had, like, six legs. Uh, the amount of people that made the second centipede was, like, seven people, right? That's not a hundred legs. And now they're doing 500 people, which is way more than a hundred legs. Uh, no. Uh, I'm sure there's some metaphor for the centipede, uh, but I don't know it. No. You know, this guy, the, the films are about a crazy dude sewing people together. I don't think he's too worried about how accurate it is. Well, I am. Well, you know what? You so, should get your money, and you should make your human centipede. I will. It's, I'm going to call the actual human centipede, and it'll be 25 people. No, what it'll be is a man. It'll be like the fly. It'll be a human centipede. It'll be a man turning into a centipede. Oh, man. I kind of want to That sounds make, like a movie Tromo would make, actually. Or Asylum. 
or asylum. That's the true. human oh, no, centipede. It'd be, it'd be uh, the gi- the ginormous caveman uh, prehistoric centipede. Perfect. Uh, Gaijin. <laughs> Got to add Gaijin to that. Uh, so yeah, that'll be interesting to see how that goes. I'm sure people will post about it, loving it. I remember when the first film came out, everyone was talking about it. Then Frank Cowley went to a uh, screening in L.A. and said it did not live up to the title. <laughs> like it didn't deliver on what you think the film's gonna be about. And I think that's 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 as true today as it was then. Mm-hmm. I feel like everything it sells you on is not what it delivers. I feel like if Trauma made the film, I feel like it'd been gross. I don't know if Trauma in the '80s made the film. I think it would have been delivered on. Honestly, probably super gross nasty shit looking movie yeah that'd be, that'd be great uh another great thing i guess <laughs> depending <laughs> on how you feel about aaron paul's acting career uh need for speed 2 is in development uh yay cool yeah you the know, sequel still, everyone was asking for you know what still gets me is that them trying to sell aaron paul as an action star yes i mean the guy's like five foot four mm-hmm <laughs> He's such a tiny little man. He is a tiny man. And you want to make it, us to believe that he's some big, like, badass action star. No. It doesn't work for me. I'm sorry. Um, but the film's with the film with the first film, if it's a $66 million budget, only grossed $45 million domestically, but apparently, thanks to its $159 it made overseas, is apparently propelling its development. I'm sure also Furious 7 making gangbusters at the box office is also helping it. Yeah. Although, to be fair, uh, Fast, uh, sorry, uh, Fast and Fast, uh, sorry, if I can name this movie right, Fast and Furious 6 was also out around the same time, and that didn't certainly help Need for Speed then, so I don't know what another car movie doing well now is going to help it when it comes out in like two years. I hope, year and a half. I hope that they keep on accidentally releasing Need for Speed movies at around the same time as Fast and Furious, just like Cabela did with Halo. <laughs> oh, that's still the best. <laughs> There's a new Cabela game coming out. Oh, it's coming out on the same day as a Halo game. What? No! Again? <laughs> Those Mega 64 videos are so are so good. Those are my... That's my favorite series of Mega 64 videos, is really the Cabela's good. Halo one. Because it's funny, because every, every year, just every time there's a new it Halo game... It just kept happening. Out, just happened to work out. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so yeah, that's Need for Speed 2. I guess we'll see uh, where that goes. <laughs> I guess we'll go Need for, Need for Speed. Need for box office returns. Ha ha ha. Tron 3 news. More Tron 3. I guess people are calling it Tron Ascending? Ascension? I think it's I think Tron that's, Ascension, that's, that's, yeah. That's the rumored to be title, the sequel to the 2010 Tron Legacy. Um, so... I guess let's go back to the thing. Like the movie, the Tron Legacy made a lot of money, just not the amount of money Disney wanted it to make. Yeah. <sighs> uh, yeah, it was. So, uh, it it made uh, plenty of money. It did well, but yeah, again, it did not do what Disney was hoping for. So that's when they started to get other boy markets by making you know like uh, Lone Ranger, uh, John Carter of Mars. Um, I'm sorry, it's called John Carter. <sighs> fuck you! I know what it's called. <laughs> if they were, if they were smart, they would have called it Princess of Mars. That's the name of the fucking book. Yeah. Well, we don't want the boys to think this movie's about a princess. It is about a princess. No, it's not. Yeah, it's about it, John it, Carter, the ultimate badass. Also, this well, movie has was, nothing to do with cars. That, now you get the boys, you make the book, I mean, you make the movie just like the book, where everyone's, like, fucking nude and kicking ass. Yeah, seriously. You want the boy market? Hey, boys, look at these tits! Okay. Hey, Dea Thoris is a hot lady. She doesn't wear much in those books, so... Okay, let's it, do it, this. 
They could have done it, but no. Nudity is bad, but uh, killing people horrifically is good. Yes, exactly. The age-old argument. Uh, but I guess our news about Tron Ascension is that it looks like uh, Olivia Wilde and Garrett Hedlund are on board for that, so that's good. I hope Cillian Murphy's on board. That would, you know, Yeah, that, that'd be good, since he was kind of hinted at as being a major part of... Dillinger's son, yeah. Yeah, and especially, um, I forget the actor's name, but the actor who played Dillinger is still alive as well, so I'm sure he can get in on that. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, yeah, I always forget his name. He's in a lot of things. He's in a people. lot of things. I know him people. best as Dillinger and the professor from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, Secret of the Uge. Secret of the Uge? Uge. The, the Nuge? <laughs> like, Ted, Ted Nugent show up hunting turtles? Oh, man, that would be... I would pay money to see the turtles beat up Ted Nugent. I, I wouldn't, because I'm sure he got some back-end deal on that, and I don't need him getting more money so he can spew his bullshit conservative beliefs. Yeah, I guess you're right. Uh, in other uh, news, <laughs> in other news, and it's very bad news, uh, Ted Nugent is still alive. <laughs> Uh, so sorry guys uh, sorry guys sorry guys but yeah that's cool Olivia Wilde and, and uh, Garrett Hedlund are on board for that I'm excited um, Tron Legacy uh, if anyone remembers from episode 1 still in my top 10 movies of all time love Tron Legacy so I really look forward to see what happens with uh, Tron Ascension and I hope I it brings more, back more importantly is Bruce Boxleitner going to be in this? Oh, of course he is. He has he played be. Tron in literally anything he can play Tron in. Like, no matter how small of a role it was or how little he got paid, uh-huh. he has been Tron every time they've needed someone to voice Tron. Whether it's Kingdom Hearts, whether it's the Tron 2.0 video game, whether it's the cartoon, whether it's, like, the Tron cameos that have been in, like, other shit, he's always Tron. How was the, um, I forget the name of it, the, the Disney series that started shortly after Legacy Tron Uprising. Uprising, that was the name of it. How, how was that as a prequel? It was good. I, I already heard really good things about it. Yeah, it was good. I liked it. I didn't love it as much as most people do, and I don't know why, because I love Legacy so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but most people that like thought Legacy was okay thought Uprising was amazing. I loved Legacy and thought Uprising was okay, so. Yeah. But it's worth watching. It's absolutely worth watching. It's only one season. Uh, didn't get enough hits because for some reason Disney is really fucking bad with its boy television marketing. Yes. Uh, same reason why Power Rangers did horribly when Disney owned them, even though the shows were the best the Power Rangers has ever been. Disney didn't know how to market the show, so it failed. That's why they got rid of it as soon as they could. I always assumed it was a uh, network thing because it's on XD, and I don't know who all gets that. Yeah, I don't that's know probably what, a like, thing. Cable packages came with that or anything. Mm-hmm. I had it, but I, but I also knew I had like a more advanced cable package at the time, so I didn't know. Like it's it's different between like how Power Rangers used to be, where it was on Fox, and I know Power Rangers now is on Nickelodeon. So. Right. Yeah. So it has a much larger market. Yeah, because Saban bought the rights back. For. Yeah. 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 So that's interesting news. I guess we'll find out what's going on with there. I'll be interested to see if uh, Jeff Bridges comes back. I'm curious because, you know, he uh, quote-unquote dies in Legacy, but I'm not completely sold on the idea that he's dead. Me either. Because, um, like, like again, you know, he said... Quora tells Sam that if he reintegrates with Clue that it will kill him. Where does Quora get that information? Well, obviously from the creator himself, Kevin Flynn. Where did Kevin Flynn get that information? He just kind of fucking guessed. Like, it's yeah. not like the, any other human has reintegrated with the program that they made, so he has no idea. He mm-hmm. could, there could have been a huge explosion, and then he fell into the ocean, and good thing Tron was nearby to help him. Mm-hmm. So. So, yeah, more Tron, more everything. That'd be good. I think that would be fun. 
and then hopefully they'll continue the streak that they haven't done since Tron. Will they have enough money to finish? Their, have enough money to finish their movie? Yeah. So that's my favorite bit about Tron. It just ends because they ran out of money. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Uh, and some other fantastic news, guys. If you have a digital device and you have not picked up any DVDs or Blu-rays of Star Wars in recent years, coming this Friday, or I guess the Friday after this episode is posted, you can buy all of them digitally. Uh, okay. Yeah, I saw an advertisement uh, on television, and it was just showing a bunch of the original Star Wars trilogy, and I was just like, oh, is this the uh, non-special edition Blu-ray release? That's awesome. And nope. it was like, nope, uh, available digitally for the first time. I'm just like, oh, okay, I guess that's... For the low, low price of $89.99. What? Why would you spend $90? Well, if you buy them individually, it's $20 a piece. Why are they $20? Why would why would you spend twenty dollars on a digital file of a movie? Because you can have them on your iPad. I could you, I could fucking put it in my laptop. I fucking I own I bought the whole Blu-ray set when the Blu-ray set first came out with all six movies for like forty bucks at Best Buy. I think right now it's sixty. It's cheaper to own the physical copies than to own the digital copies. Welcome to the digital age. Oh yeah, I'm so glad I'm sure that people are just gonna buy it the fuck up. I'm I'm so glad all the people keep on saying we need to get rid of physical media because that way things can be cheaper on digital only. Yeah, go fuck yourselves. Never gonna happen. Never gonna happen. Get rid of over that, that overhead. Who's gonna pick that up? That's gonna be more profits for studios. Yep. Oh, people are, are used to spending twenty dollars for a movie. Well, well, what about now, guys? We don't have to spend the money to make the discs or the box art or the shipping anymore. So should we charge less too? Nah. Twenty bucks. That's insane. The, That's... I think it's all the same content. I don't know. I don't think there's any like new content. I hear that there's the new bonus features. That's, that's not surprising. I'm sure... It, what could there possibly be left, you know? You know, I have not... Uh, I mean, I, I didn't even buy them then. My mom bought them for me because I was a kid. I have not purchased a single Star Wars film since the uh, VHS tapes in the 90s. I never... The, before, before the special editions came out. My mother owned... Th- those VHSs, and after that, the only other time I paid money for a Star Wars film was the big Blu-ray set, because it was, like, on super sale, and it was the cheapest way to get the movies at the highest quality, even though the, it's the original trilogy special edition versions, only a oh, few... And, and worse, because they've added more stuff on the Blu-rays? Yeah. Um, but a couple of the editions for Episode One actually makes it a better movie. Oh, episode one editions? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't care about prequel editions. I just want... I Whatever. We could we can just go on and on about it. I guess we can for a short bit. Star Wars episode! <laughs> uh, for a short bit. I, I'm waiting. I feel like Disney is the kind of company that's going to go for it. I feel like next year or year after, I feel like really soon, there's going to be a Blu-ray set of the original, unaltered theatrical cuts of all three of the original films. And it will come with the original, unaltered non-CGI versions of the prequel films. So it's just going to be a lot of green backgrounds um, and characters talking to things that are invisible. If that's what's on it, I will buy it. (laughs) 20 full dollars. Here you go. Thank you. I want this. That'd be great. That'd be a great way to watch those films. But no, I I want... I mean, I I still haven't... I I want to buy something... I haven't... I'm fumbling my words here. Um, I haven't gone through and bought the new, like, the despecialized editions, the one that the, um, despecialized, I don't know what they call them, the the fan communities, like, films they've been making. Yeah. I I watched some stuff on how they make them, they look gorgeous, but I I haven't downloaded those, I haven't done anything, I just want to wait till the day I can just go in and buy them. Mm Mm-hmm. 
I, it might never come, and that's fine. You know, I've seen, I've watched the Star Wars, I watched all three of those films plenty of times. I love Empire the most out of everything. I know how I feel about it. So when the day I can go into the store and buy what I want to own, then it's the day I'll buy them. Until then, I have no reason, I have no, um, I guess, um, reason or um, uh, need. I have no need to own the films. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, and I, I feel like especially when, when Disney bought Lucasfilm and bought all the stuff I was felt very confident that this means that we'll be getting those films yeah in, in which case which this current digital distribution it must mean good signs because I know um, I don't know if did, I don't know maybe there's a difference here I got not think about it because I maybe we've talked about this before about um maybe have maybe have I can't remember but like Fox owns all the distribution rights to a new hope forever mm-hmm so I wonder if it being digital gets by that or what. Yeah, I'm curious. Do you do you remember? Do you remember? Did the Blu-ray sets come out before Disney? Yes, they Disney did. Home? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Thank you. I can't remember if they did or not. So I guess we have to still. I guess this might mean some good news because if, if this is still just a, a means of distribution. So yeah, it's still unless it was like some specifically the contract says all like physical home physical media. home media and so disney's like oh so you own all the physical okay go fuck yourself digitally well even then i'd have to wonder because even then fox's licensing agreement back then would have to be like home videos i'm sure disney i mean that's the same fucking reason charles band gets away with doing vhs rips of ice Under grave and stuff still it's because he is his, like a vhs tape and that's how his his distribution deal reads yeah his video not dvd not that so he can still get away with it mm-hmm so I don't know. I don't know. That's a whole bunch of legalese. I'm sure Disney's figuring it out. All I know is, it's, like I said, I feel like because all the new films coming out and everything else, I feel like we are very close to there being a, an original, unaltered, theatrical cut Blu-ray set coming out. I would say absolutely, most likely, yeah. Yeah, because Disney's the kind of company that will go for it for money. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and, and the only reason it never happened with Lucasfilm is because of George. I fully believe it's just George. Yeah, it was just George. Because he doesn't want that getting out, and so he tried to do that, pass that line saying, "Oh, the 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 original elements are damaged." Uh, yeah, even know. though people have released 1080p fucking HD quality versions of the original trilogy with all the special editions cut out. Yeah, on their own, on their own computers. Not one person. Technology. Yeah, one fucking guy on a home PC doing it, and the quality is amazing. Using elements from either Photoshop or using the old uh, widescreen VHSs, uh, you know. The laser discs. They grab. They ripped them from the laser discs. Oh, okay. Laser discs. Okay, okay. I can't remember which. Uh, yeah. Source, but yeah, they did all that on their own for free. All this stuff. But you guys have all the fucking technology in the world, all the money. You don't want to do it. Yeah, go fuck yourself, yeah. George. Fucking asshole and your strange magic motherfucker. I'm waiting for that movie to come out in five for five dollars. I'm gonna buy it and watch it. Just watch the shit out of it. I'm gonna watch some weird elf singing. Ah. Uh, so, on to some Avengers news. Of course, there's going to be Avengers news. Uh, we kind of hinted at that before a little bit. Uh, first off, we kind of mentioned this before, so a bunch of covers for Entertainment Weekly. I think it's this week's... Uh, released on May 1st. Uh, so, May 1st issues of Entertainment Weekly all have uh, their summer movie preview, and of course, there's three different, uh, four different covers. Gotta collect all them all, them. because people collect magazine covers? I'm sure they fucking do. Collect, they even say on the front, collector's edition cover. No one is buying the cover for, like, triple the price that's why it's not a fucking actual collector's edition <laughs> no shit uh so are, are they numbered there's looks like on the front of these fucking things are numbered they're probably numbered whatever there's 1300 copies of this yeah okay um <laughs> so um yeah the covers feature all the avengers from age of ultron and we get you get a very clean very 
easy to see pick look at Vision, who looks very fabulous. He looks fabulous. That is a very bright gold patterned cape, a very very pink face. It's he's super pink. Yeah, he is I don't know like his costume even looks very man of steel-ish. Mm-hmm. Like I mean the costume st- looks style. okay. Like I don't have an issue with the uh, with the costume, you know, and they kept the cape. It's just he's v- the colors are weird on him in general. Like the way that it's there's the greens and the pinks are just kind of blending together like it's not like a clear-cut pattern. Yeah. And then also be, his skin is hyper pink. Yeah, it should be uh, red skin, green suit, yellow cape. Um, you got everything else. You got fucking bright bright blue fucking Captain America. You got Tony Stark. Everyone else is all they're normal bright colors, but for some reason, you get to Vision, it's time to mute everything and jack it up. Yeah. It's just like, come on, what? Come on. Why? Come on, guys. Why'd you do that? Why'd you do that? I mean, Quicksilver's wearing a, you know, a costume, you know, his blue costume. He's wearing that in the books. I mean, I think the only one that's weird is Scarlet Witch. Yeah. And, it's like a, I mean, I guess yeah. I think they're going for the ultimate Scarlet Witch. Yeah, uh, w- I get which that. is fine. Yeah, whatever. I understand that she won't wear her headdress that she has in the six one six universe, but hopefully in a future film she will at least be slightly more like costumey. She'll wear one piece or thigh high boots. Their heels um, should be getting sexy. Yeah, getting sexy. Uh, Scarlet, uh, Scarlet Witch. Okay, uh, Black, uh, Black Widow uh, is very Tron looking with her uh, stumbatontons. Uh, yeah, she looks like Whiplash. Uh, she is. <laughs> uh, yeah, she is from Tron. This I'm is sure this is I'm the first the post credit scene will be uh, this is Tron three, this is Tron three. Uh, I'm sure she'll do something miraculous in the film to save the day because like she's like every female character in Joss Whedon films, which is cool. Except if it wasn't so contrived in his every time films, yeah, it's cool if it makes sense for her. It's just like I'm gonna do this now. Oh, okay, <laughs> y- you have superpowers now. Shit. Yeah. Cool. Uh, it was like that in Avengers. It was a case of just like, oh, she tricked Loki into giving up his plane. That's great. That's legitimately great. Or in the opening, when she's pretending to be uh, in a, in trouble and she's not at all. That's great. And then at the end, it's just like, oh, no, I'm going to shut the portal because I'm the only fucking one to think to come up here. And the scepter so happened to be right here. And uh, the doctor himself, is uh, Selvig, is the one that actually set this up. So it's totally him saving the world now, but I'm the one doing it. It's just like... Okay, Joss, we get it. You like, you like the Black Widow. With oh, and that and the I mean, talking about in the in the film where her co- costume was so tight she couldn't wear underwear underneath it. Yes, I love that. That's that's, that's great. Uh, other Avengers bits. Um, Joss Whedon and Kevin Feige have apparently said that there will be no post-credit scene for Avengers: Age of Ultron. I'll believe that when I see it. Yeah, no shit. Um, I guess that's a little bit there. Uh, moving on. Uh, hey, big shocker, guys. Age of Ultron, Lance. It's PG-13 rating. What? PG-13? For intense sequences of sci-fi action, violence and destruction, and for some some suggestive comments. Uh, to be fair, though, that's it's kind of interesting that they got the rating that late because that either means that they've been fucking rushing to finish the film and, like, just now finish the film... Or that there was something that actually was pushing it over PG-13 because of how violent it was and they had to cut some stuff down. It could be. I'm know. leaning I towards the first the one, though. I'm leaning towards the first one. I feel like all the time I still see movies that don't have MPA ratings until like a week or two before release. 
I, I mean, I feel like there was... Man, I should remember the example. I remember there was a time for a while where every, like, every... I think the week a movie was coming out, I was still getting TV spots where it said, this film is not yet rated. It was like a brand new TV spot. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's a little under a month away, so it's, it's not too ridiculous, I guess. But still, it feels really early. Like, oh, sorry. Really close to the release of the film for, a, like, a Disney, like, Marvel film to get the rating. Yes. So, I don't know. That's interesting points, though. I guess we'll find out come May 1st when it comes out. I guess we'll see. And For the hardcore the hardcore Hulk uh, Black Widow sex scene. Had to be trimmed down. Had to be trimmed down. Uh, they couldn't show him splitting her in half of his Hulk dick. Uh, we just don't see the penetration anymore. He looks at her and goes, Hulk smash. <laughs> and then mid, mid, mid-coitus Black Widow says, What's your secret? And then Bruce is like, I'm always angry. I'm always horny. Man, we man, uh, um, uh, shit, um, blanking on his fucking name all of a sudden. Um, Axel Braun needs to hire us to write his fucking movies. We could make all of Axel Braun's movies way fucking better. We'd have the at least the uh, the hindsight to say, hey, how about you, you don't put China in your movie. <laughs> Nobody wants to see that. Nobody wants this. Uh, last bit of news here: Deadpool, Deadpool costumes. Uh, Thought of onset pictures looking good. I can finally look at it and say, "Hey, this looks real." This looks like the uh, the costume from the comics. Uh, this yeah. is the most accurate comic book costume, uh, tied right up there with the Amazing Spider-Man two suit. Uh, Daredevil is pretty close. Yeah, I guess. I think just maybe it was too I mean, dark it wasn't for my spandex. taste. It, it was. It was. I mean, it was a material change, but I mean, costume-wise, the costume looked right on. I think it was just a bit too dark, but I just mean like pure accuracy. Cool, cool. That's fine. I just, yeah. Um, but otherwise, yes, it, the Daredevil suit looked fucking great. It's true. Now, hopefully Cable's in this movie. And I hope Cable's in this movie, because Cable and Deadpool being uh, fucking total bros, bro love, is one of my favorite Deadpool relationships. Either that or... Um, who's the Hydra guy? Uh, Bob of Hydra. Bob, Bob of Hydra, yeah. Well, they won't be doing Hydra because Marvel Studios owns Hydra. That's true. They'll do Bob. No, no, yeah, they'll just do Bob the Nazi. Bob the henchman. Yeah, Bob the Nazi. Because they'll have enough balls to do it. Oh, yeah, and then they can just say, whoa, are you so, how are you still a Nazi? Oh, because Disney owns the rights to my organization's name now. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That could work. They could really, totally work. They could be really in line with the film. <laughs> but I don't, I don't know if they have the budget for the amount of pouches uh, Cable will need. Oh, uh, yeah, they need to... Ten million dollars. the size of a truck. Ten million dollars yeah, yeah, for all the pouches in the gun. Just for and Cable. Gun the size of a truck, and... They have to do some good CG work to put shadows all over his face, even though he's in broad daylight. And we can never see his feet. Never see his feet. A lot, a lot of rocks everywhere. <laughs> oh my god, if they did that joke, that would be amazing. I feel, I don't know, I feel like the, the amount of material they can go through to make do make uh, good jokes of in the Deadpool movie is endless, and I really have high hopes that they go for it. Yeah, um... I hope it's more, like, stuff making fun. I don't know if they want to go the too broad. I don't know if they want to do lots of 90s... They should do a lot of 90s X-Men jokes, like, how stylistically wise and things like that I, if they had a, like a little smidgen of that in the film that i'd really like that mm-hmm. to make fun of stuff like that like anything anything making fun of rob liefeld I'm, I'm all for usually absolutely anything to make fun of rob liefeld because there was a time and he was one of the number one people in comics and i cannot figure out why uh, uh looking back on it also the uh, costume seems to be cg'ing the eyes so that the mask can be emotive yes. which i think yes, is I- very great I think, that, and I, like I said before, that's one thing in all the promo images that kept putting me off. is because it's clearly they're doing that, so they can emote the eyes, of course. And so every time they kept doing it, 
and those pictures, that's what was always making me go, I don't know what I'm looking at. Yeah. So I, 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 I'm glad they're doing that. I think everything so far is looking good on the money. Yeah, and, and so. Reynolds is a huge fan of Deadpool. He has been for years. Uh, so I also, I don't think this Deadpool will be the Daniel Way Deadpool. I think this is going to be much more of the, uh, like the Mark Wade, the um, uh, Gail Simone, the, uh, the Nietzsche um, Deadpool. Not the Daniel Way horrible Deadpool that was the star of the video game that I couldn't even finish because I hated the writing so much. Oh, really? I couldn't even finish. I, I couldn't finish the game. I bought it for twenty dollars, made it halfway through, and after two months of getting that far, I was just like, "I'm not. I can't go any further." I just kept hearing like there's the kind of people who would, I would love that game. Kept always referring to it. Yeah, yeah. Then he's making jokes about this girl's tits and everything. I'm like, "Yeah, that sounds great." Yeah. That sounds the kind of game I want to play. Yeah. I mean, there were moments where it was funny. Moments, but I feel like it's just like too much. Yeah. Oh, that's Daniel. Like, that's Daniel Way for you. That Daniel Way is the worst writer Deadpool has ever had. So the very second that they announced that they were getting a Deadpool writer to write the game, I was excited. And as soon as they said Daniel Way, I immediately went, "Well, this game's gonna be fucking shit." Yeah, because I, I mean, I never got super deep into Deadpool, but there was a period there he was oversaturating the comics, and then I feel like all of his books had no consequences. It was like I'm Deadpool, I'm Lulzy. And I, I, if I remember, I remember I from what little I had known of Deadpool, I remember there was a time where he wasn't such a goofball. He was funny character but wasn't like nothing matters but i might be wrong on that yeah so i guess i am i don't know <laughs> you'll tell me if i'm wrong which i guess you are i don't know what you're doing am i wrong am i not do i not understand deadpool at all no deadpool can get gets really serious there's a lot of really dramatic moments with deadpool uh the humor is an offset to that and no i'm doing wrong there are issues like individual issues that are just all comedy but when it comes to actual story arcs, it's very real um, and dramatic at times, and the comedy just counteracts that. Well, I hope the film has that. I want some of that. Not, I, I wouldn't mind a good comedy film, but I hope it does have some actual serious elements. Absolutely. Because if it doesn't, then that's Daniel Way. Daniel Way, I mean, Daniel Way had a few dramatic stuff, but it wasn't that good. Cool. Well, I think I'll about wrap it up for all that comic book bullshit. You fucking nerds. Speaking of things that are super original, let's talk about Asian Westerns. Perfect! Now, ha, we make the joke there, because if you want to get down to it, I guess we can go a little, little, little bitty-bitty bit of cinema history, uh, from what little I know. Uh, I want to say this right up front. Uh, Bill Murphy is an expert of Asian cinema. I'm absolutely an expert. (laughs) I've watched some some, uh, Kurosawa films. I've watched some of those. I watched uh, Kung Pao Enter the Fist. So um, I did too. Uh, that means we we know everything, everything. about uh, East Asian cinema. Um, so this is our kind of we want to do a theme month here. So for throughout April, uh, for like so this week and the next two weeks, um, we're gonna watch some East Asian cinema films. Uh, so I guess we wanted to start off with westerns because I thought it'd be interesting to start here because like everything we really know about the spaghetti western really came from Kurosawa. Yeah, and the fact that Sergio Leone. Uh, basically ripped off Yojimbo for the begin for the basis of his Dollars trilogy. Yes, uh, quite so much so that um, Kurosawa and the studio did sue and win in court. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, Sergio Leone never hit it. He was very. He was like, yeah, yeah, I did it. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Yojimbo, uh, and so I wanted to make Yojimbo. Yeah, basically. <laughs> uh, so similar things like happened. Obviously, the Magnificent Seven was a remake. It was a Western remake of the Seven Samurai. I mean, all, in all these cases, these films are both good, but this matter that like it's everything like we know about the spaghetti western, I guess modern westerns that aren't necessarily things from the 
40s and 50s and such mm-hmm. like the i guess the old style westerns yeah um the very the very john wayne centric era which i don't know how long that lasted but everything we think of the exploitation westerns italian westerns spaghetti westerns came from more specifically japanese cinema so i felt it only right that we, we kind of talk about some uh some japanese uh, and, uh, uh japanese and a korean uh western films uh, so the two we picked this week were uh, were pretty good, I thought. So let's uh, jump into our first one from 2007, and that is uh, Takashi Miike's uh, Sukiyaki Western Django. Yes. Uh, as t- with tradition at this point, a revolver-wielding stranger crosses paths with two cl- warring clans who are both on the hunt for a hidden treasure in a remote western town. Knowing his services are valuable to either side, he offers himself to the clan, who will offer up the largest share of the, the wealth. That's actually a pretty, pretty accurate uh, synopsis without giving away any of the uh, twists. That's true. <laughs> That's um, the best synopsis I think we've read in recent episodes. Yeah, well, the film is also very simple in that regard, too. It, it's like, it sticks with uh, some tropes of uh, spaghetti western films, in which case there is a treasure. Yes. And then people are fi- trying to find the treasure. Yes. And the film also obviously borrows like the, uh, the no-named uh, stock character, the, it's similar to Eastwood's... Uh, character from the dollars trilogy mm-hmm. and then uh, yojimbo or the character main character from yojimbo since he was unnamed as well yeah um so uh i guess it's uh, i guess other points on the on the, the the story here basically the lone gunman walks into town a, a two warring clans one white one red uh there's the um a lot of references to war of the roses yeah exactly there's the white colored genji and the red colored heiki heiki yeah 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 heiki yeah uh, basically, it's very yeah, very War of the Roses. Basically, two them both warring over finding this gold. Um, obviously, obviously, things as they always do. There's more hidden things going on. There's a child who is the um, offspring of a member from the White Clan, a member from the Red Clan. There is a uh, great appearance from Tarantino. Yeah. Uh, badass older woman who's a gunslinger. Uh, the shoe's my Some favorite. Big- yeah, for sure. There's some good comedy elements, some good action elements. Uh, so I guess we'll just jump right in. Steve, what are some of your favorite parts, or what did you enjoy most about Sukiyaki Western Jungle? Uh, well, first of all, one of my favorite parts was just the fact that I was not expecting this movie to be completely in English. I wasn't either when I first watched it. Um, it's, uh, it's a Japanese film made in Japan with all Japanese actors except for Quentin Tarantino, uh, but all of the dialogue except for, like, one line is English, and it's that's why I did the uh, broken English as the opening for this. I was just impersonating one of the characters and being horribly racist. My apologies to all Japanese Americans. It's okay. You're bringing it back. Bringing it back. I'm bringing it back. Mickey Rooney. Everyone loved Mickey Rooney. <laughs> um, so that was very surprising, and I dug it a lot because it was a cool way to do it in the style of just like clearly doing the spaghetti western, the American kind of version of the spaghetti western genre, being more like the actual Django movies or the other exploitation spaghetti westerns we made in America versus the originals of being like Yojimbo. Yeah. Um, so it was a really cool emulation of a genre, and everyone did really well. Um, I kept trying to p- figure out which of the actors actually knew English and which of the ones and which of the ones were just emulating sounds that the re- director was telling them to say. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. Um, but it was solid. Ahead, sorry, it was, but it was really solid, and I dug that. I thought that actually added a lot to the film. Uh, with what they were going for. Yeah, it adds a lot of style to it. Too, yes. For sure. um, I really dug, uh, again, I dug the uh, Bloody Bento, was it? Yes. Bloody Bento, the whole story of Bloody Bento, except for the weird flashbacks with Quentin Tarantino. I think it was. I think it was um, Benkai. 
It was like Benton. It was like it was like Bloody Benton or something. Bloody Benton. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, I just watched the film. <laughs> or, or was oh yeah, yeah, Bloody Benton. That was the name of, the, of her character. Uh, but uh, she, that whole her whole story and stuff, and it was super badass and stylized, and I really enjoyed her character. Uh, but I always enjoy seeing a super badass woman in a film that's used that's mostly otherwise men. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all, I mean, it was solid. It was paced well. The action was really good. I dug the super dug the climax of the gun versus sword fight. Yeah, that's really that good. just that got me pumped and actually made me audibly react, which doesn't happen a lot with action scenes. So I really, really enjoyed that scene. It's just, it, and again, it's just very stylistic. The story is very simple, but that works. And there's a lot of uh, themes of like human loss, greed, and what really matters in life and stuff like that. So I thought it was a really, really great film. Right on. Uh, I loved when um, Kiyomori, uh I think that was the character's name, uh, the act, the base, of the car- uh, car- yeah, the head of the um, the Haiki clan. Basically, he's, uh, thinks he, he picks up a copy of Shakespeare's War, uh, Henry um, Henry the Eighth, yeah. Henry the Eighth, yeah. The War of the Roses and everything. He's like, my name will now be Henry. You will call me Henry. <laughs> yes. Um, trying to think, I loved uh, Quentin Tarantino playing Harry Knowles. Yeah. <laughs> People need to watch the movie to get that get that joke, uh, and also know who Harry Knowles is. I guess that might help. That, too. that would help. Uh, um. I mean, I, I've seen many of Takashi Miike's films. If I guess if I was going to pick one of my favorite Japanese directors, he'd be up there. Um, he makes a lot of Yakuza films. Mm-hmm. And I guess in a way you could take this general story and these like two warring clans and this could be a film made in modern times with just Yakuza mm-hmm. uh, in a way. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, I like the uh, the sheriff. The sheriff clearly... The sheriff has, was fantastic. Uh, some more, I guess, hey, back to egos. Egos being a theme in something has this warring egos. One that wants him to run away. One that wants him to confront things and try to steal the gold that that was a fun bit mm-hmm. um other things i like that the leader of uh, the hankies hanky hey uh, shit the red clan i'm gonna say red yeah clan just now. go with that like, i'm just gonna keep butchering these things i apologize i love how uh they get that gatling gun and he's just walking around if it's strapped to his chest and he's determined that he like, is gonna i win, win. <laughs> he does win according to the book he wins yes yeah, sadly, it does not work out for him. <laughs> it does not work out. Uh, but yeah, good practical effects, good action sequences. Uh, again, if you watch a lot of Mike's films, you'll you'll come be you'll get used to that because he does a lot of good action and practical effects in his films. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess uh, if you want to jump over to some negative bits, um, I feel like the film lulls a little bit in the middle. Definitely, yeah. In some in some areas, I was kind of like I was kind of losing interest. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it did pick up again and things like that. There's just those little times where I was kind of like, eh, okay. And so there's just some parts that I just don't really, doesn't quite get me. I don't know. I, 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 I like the film plenty, but I guess there's just something about it that just doesn't really click on all cylinders. Like, the action's good. Some of the, the characters are all pretty fi- are fine and those things, but there's just some moments where I was like, eh. No, yeah, in the middle, in the middle, the pacing uh, slows down a bunch. Um, yeah, a bunch. Um, which sometimes happen. I'm trying to think off memory, off the top of my head, if there's any other, like, Mike films I feel do that. And some of them do, but I, I so but I don't know, some other films like I, for those you know, Mike uh directed like Ichi the Killer, mm-hmm. uh the Dead or Alive films. Yeah, and Ichi the Killer um, also super drops down into a, a fucking dull low in the middle of the film for a while. Yeah. So. But I will say every time his films do that, they definitely ramp up and have a payoff. Yes. 
So everything, I think it's a, like a, I don't know, maybe I want to say roller coaster, kind of roller coaster. Like you dip, there's a huge dip down to like, you're fucking coming to nothing. And all of a sudden, nope, there's another hill and then there's the rest of the ride. Yeah. So I, I guess it's always a good way of calming you out, slowing things down. So that way you're not over, uh, expo- like you're not, um, you need the lulls to appreciate the insane action again. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So you don't want to become desensitized to it. So that way it's like, it's similar to, I guess the, I guess one of my complaints about the Ninja Turtles remake this last year was that it felt like the entire film was a climax. Yeah. Like, it was just big set pieces, big set pieces, big set pieces. There were never any lulls in between things mm-hmm. a lot. So I feel like... So it's good that... I, I, well, I you can say that with any genre, too. Like, drama films that are dr- dramatic the whole time with, like, no comedic relief is yeah. the exact same thing. It's like, oh, well, if every single scene is supposed to be sad, then why is this scene sadder than the other scene? Yeah, what yeah, scene no is what scene is the one that I'm supposed to cry at? Because you're doing this the whole time. Yeah, it's come to the point, like, come on, I... I just want to cry here. Can you just tell me if the dog died or not? What the fuck? Yeah. Come on. Yeah, and that's true. So, I mean, uh, and it's, I might say, I guess, so, it's, while the, the lull might seem like a negative, it truly pays off, so it comes up as a positive, but it's still a little mark against the film, I think, so. Uh, was the ending insinuating that Hayachi was the Django, the original Django? Um, Saying that he moved to Italy and became the gunslinger known as Django? Like huh. as a sort, I never thought about that. Yeah, because like, just kind of like as a potential, a possible prequel to the actual, the real Django, not any of the spinoff bullshit. Maybe, but Django wasn't a little like Japanese boy or Japanese. No, boy. he's half American. Remember Quentin Tarantino? Oh, that's well, no, he's no, right. he's a quarter that's American, right. but yeah, he's quarter American. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Okay, I can I see that. Yeah, he could have just became more Caucasian as he got older. That's true. That's a fun little Easter egg. But there's a lot of Easter eggs in this film, like the uh, coffin being dragged behind the uh, uh, yes, the cart with, the, and then it having a Gatling gun yes. in it. Which I think that exact like a Gatling gun inside a coffin. Which the dragon coffin is a thing from Django films. Yeah. But I remember, I remember, I can't remember which specific Django film there actually is a Gatling gun inside a coffin that Django pulls out. Um, for those of you, for I guess for those who don't know, there's a series of Italian films called. Um, I forget the first one, uh, the first Django film. Maybe called Django. I'm pretty sure the first one is just called Django. I forget. Yeah, I'm sorry if I'm showing my ignorance here. I I, I know about these films. I just can't remember the top of my head. And that's basically where um, Tarantino got the name Django and Change, and why he gave him the name Django. And that's why in the movie he actually meets Franco Nero, who played the original Django, who played the original Django. And that's why when he was told the D is silent, he replied with "I know." Yeah, exactly. So there's a little bit of people didn't quite get that reference. Um, which is which? Uh, I guess a short like bit here. Apparently, uh, Franco Nero is coming. Like, apparently, they're making another Django film starring Franco Nero. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, but it's be funny because I don't think, man, I'm trying to. I think he only played it once or twice. twice. Uh, he came yeah, back twice, and every other film has never been like every maybe called Django, but never starred him. Yeah, all the, like all the other Django's were just uh, s- other fucking people making the movies using the name because it was popular. Exactly. But he came back yeah. for one other Django movie, which was called Django Two: The Return of Django. Okay, that might be the one where he had the the coffin with the gallon. Maybe. Yeah, these are all things I've been meaning to get around to watching. I know of them, just have not seen them. Uh, I, f- I fully admit that. So I guess in the end, uh, Sukiyaki Western Django, I give it a three out of five. I'd give or three and a half, three three and a half out of five. Sorry, I'd give it a four. I really dug it. I agree with the lull in the middle, but otherwise, I thought it was a really solid film all around. Yeah, yeah and I'm I'm also judging it based on the fact that I've seen lots of other Takashi Miike's films. Mm-hmm. So that's also going in my score, like. So I've seen, I know what he's capable of, and I know he's in a lot of other things. So I guess in a way you were expecting more. I, yeah, he's expecting more, and I know he can. Do, I know I don't know. His directing is good in a lot of things. I just guess I'm comparing it to films I like more, like Dead or Alive, or Each of the Killer, or um, 
shit, uh, the Otterman film, or like he's done a bunch of stuff, definitely recently. Yeah. So I mean, I, I know his filmography a lot. So I guess I'm also that's also skewing my score a little bit. But yeah, three and a half, four stars. I think those are both very fine scores. I don't feel like it's um, dogging it or giving it too much praise. I feel like those are very perfect, perfectly fine. Which uh, Django movie is the better movie, uh, Sukiyaki, uh, Western Django, or Django Unchained? <sighs> if we're comparing two, the two modern Django films. Uh, I'd say Django Unchained. Okay. I I really, I I mean I admit I have only seen it the one time in theaters. I mean to go back to it, but I enjoyed it. I thought it hit all the hit it I thought it hit all the points right. I just don't think it was a black exploitation film. No, it definitely wasn't. So I I, I, I mean I admittedly I don't know if that's what Tarantino was going for. That's what other people no, thought it was. Yeah, but but knowing Tarantino, that might be what he was going for. But I definitely don't feel like that was a black exploitation film. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Uh, so let's move on to our uh, next. Uh, selection for this episode. That's the 2008 film, uh, The Good, The Bad, The Weird. Obviously a play on the title of The, uh, the Good, The Bad, and The Ugly yes. from Sergio Leone. Uh, this film is directed by uh, Kim Ji-Woon, who people might know from I, I, I Saw the Devil, or uh, his most recent, and one of his most recent, and his first American debut, The Last Stand. Yes. Uh, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, it, uh, let's, let's get on IMDb here. What do they have to say about The Good, The Bad, The Weird? The story of two outlaws and a bounty hunter in 1940s Manchuria and their rivalry to possess a treasure map while being pursued by the Japanese army and Chinese bandits. They could have used a period or a comma in that. Nope, all one sentence. Um, all one sentence. Uh, yeah, so again, playing on those standard um, spaghetti western tropes and stuff where there's many people, uh, similar to Sukiyaki Western Jago, where there's a, a treasure involved and people are trying to find it. Mm-hmm. Although in this case they are traveling all across Manchuria and these beautiful like desert-style landscapes, trying to find out where it is on this map that's all in Russian. Yes, the Russian map. Yeah. Uh, so I guess we'll go with Steve again. Steve, uh, since I, I I introduced you to both these films today, I guess it's only good. I love hearing your thoughts here. Uh, what did you think about the good, the bad, the weird? Uh, I will say that uh, if I'm doing a straight comparison, I did not like it as much as I liked uh, Django. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes to what I did like, I really enjoyed the bad, uh, which I'll just, I'm just going to refer to him by that instead of his name. Cause otherwise you, you can just call him storm shadow, storm shadow. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed his character. He was delightfully evil. He had a lot of really good scenes. The good, uh, likewise was a really cool character and did a lot of fantastic stuff. An amazing shot with a double barreled shotgun. Absolutely. Holy shit. Uh, physically impossible, but it doesn't matter. He's really good with that gun. It goes with the genre. Uh, but yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of fun action scenes. Um, see, it's uh, a lot of big set pieces, like surprisingly big set pieces. Uh, Especially for a movie that it has only had a ten million dollars. Yeah, movie. yeah, that's what impressed me. Like the whole train thing and a lot of the stuff near the ending, uh, where they were straight up fighting the army and the renegades and each other. Mm-hmm. Just a lot of good stuff. Uh, so yeah, I'd say those are the. Uh, the biggest things that I really dug was mainly the two characters of the good and the bad and uh, just being blown away by the set pieces. And also when the weird wore a uh, scuba helmet as protection. Just that moment. <laughs> That's a really good one. Uh, yeah, um, I, I really do, I really like this movie quite a bit. Um, so much so I bought, I bought it twice, bought my one copy back before it really came out in the U.S. because at um, San Diego Comic-Con every year used to be a booth that sold a bunch of... East Asian films, that's where I picked up a lot of stuff that wasn't necessarily out in a, va- in a means that I could get it. Um, and so when it came out Blu-ray in the U.S., I picked it up as well, um, which I found out something interesting about it, but we'll get to that a little bit here. Um, 
yeah, I really enjoyed the film. I, I yeah, like you said, I love uh, Lee. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna try these names. <laughs> Lee Byung Hun, uh, who played Park Chang Yi, the the bad. I really I love his performance. He's so like a fucking. He's a great like killer. Yes. In this movie, like I love characters like that in films. I love it when they're all around just do really cool badass things they have a good aura around them like you just like they i mean this is a good he's a good actor as well because he's I'm, I'm believing this character all the way um i know not to fuck with them yeah <laughs> which is funny because when the one uh gentleman who hired him to steal the map in the first place before he gets foiled is fucking yelling at him and shit i'm like why are you doing that that's the worst thing you could do <laughs> Because he is going to kill you, and then he does. Oh, yeah, the moment when he kills uh, the fucking guy who originally hired him was such a badass moment. Because yeah. the guy's just pointing the gun at him, point blank, and I'm just like, this is not going to end well. This is not going to... Why are you doing that? And look, it didn't end well! Yeah, knock that gun away, stab me in the back of the neck. Ha-cha-cha-cha. <laughs> uh, but I have to say, my favorite character is the weird, played by uh, Song Kang-ho, who also is in The Host... And um, sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, sympathy for Lady Vengeance, and some other stuff. Um, he's his character, so he's that I don't know, lovable goofball guy, who's who's also apparently a super nasty badass, mm-hmm. which is cle- which gets kind of clear because he's pretty good with his uh, two Lugers that he uses for his guns. Yeah, who uh, appropriately like uh, fuck up on him a couple times throughout the film, which I appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just love his character. I think he's really fun, and him is a. Uh, uh, Mangil, his uh, his his friend, mm-hmm. it's pretty funny too. Um, I, don't know, I'll, I'll, I guess I guess I'll be the one here. I, all around, I love the film. I love all the set pieces. I love the action scenes. I feel like everything moves pretty well. It's well shot. There's enough things that always keep me interested and keep me going, and making me laugh, and all that other things. Having a very have a very good climactic battle. I love the uh, end chase. I'm not even that's not even the end of the film. Like the lead up to them getting closer to the treasure where the Japanese army's chasing after them there's explosions everywhere horses getting tossed all the fuck around one man on the on a horse of a Winchester rifle taking on like the entire army and winning yeah I'm gonna shoot this one guy that guy got shots so and he's spinning around the machine gun killing his own horses trucks are blowing up all over the <laughs> place um yeah and I also appreciate the Chinese bandits who are always after the map as well mm-hmm. and all their just ridiculousness they get to a point where they think they found the place, and it's like, nope, that's the ocean. Ah, oh, shit. Ah, oh, shit. So, um, I guess, I don't know what else I can say about the praise. I like the ending, how, like, in the end, there's no actual treasure, it's just oil. Yes. And then they all have a three-way standoff, shoot down. For no reason. Oh, yeah. I... Uh, no, you gotta got determine who gets the money, who gets the prize, because one of them's gonna walk away. Yeah, I, I did dig the, uh, during that ending with the weird just straight up saying, like, I don't want to do this. You guys, tell them you won. I don't care. If winning yeah. is what you need, you take this win. I don't give a shit. There's no reason no, to shoot to, each other right now. He has to prove to everybody that he is the best, that he is better than than uh, the f- the finger cutter. I'll just say it. I, so better than uh, Yung Tai Gu. Mm-hmm. Gotta be better than him. I love that's a big sticking point. And gets on the yeah, he just, just doesn't want any part of it. But the goods not gonna go either. And so. Uh, they have their shootout and ends up with all of them appearing to be dead, but they're not. And then this is where it gets to a weird point. Like if you watch the international version, uh, the film ends quite abruptly, where you see the good looking at uh, wanted signs, wanted posters. You see that the the bad has been killed, but you see a new one get put up for the good, and his uh, bounty has been tripled. The weird, you said. The yeah. weird, yes. My apologies. Um, 
Uh, so the good just walks off. Then you see a guy on a motorcycle. You're led to assume, I guess, is the weird driving off to the sunset, and that's it. But if you watch the original Europe, uh, or sorry, original Korean cut, the longer cut, uh, basically um, the weird stands like wakes up after the gunfight. He ha- was apparently wearing a lead plate, another Western trope that's been used a couple times. Uh, so he survived the gunfight. He drags the bad over to where the oil well is, where he's going to set off some dynamite and blow him up along with the well. Perfect. He uh, finds a bag of diamonds and he's excited. Only then the Japanese army surrounds him. And of course, the film has to end on a funny note. So he accidentally lights all the dynamite up and he runs away and it cuts to black as it explodes. Then we get the scene where the good is watching the changing of the wanted poster signs. The good goes into a bar where he talks to some gentleman trying to find the weird mm-hmm. and shoots them all up. And then we cut to the weird riding off on the motorcycle. So there's a good there's a good chunk there. I feel like. You have to. I feel like that. I mean, I know that's the end of the film, so I feel like that's what you need for the film. I feel like it answers everything better. Yeah, it's funnier ending everything else. So it's like, it's like Steve didn't see that ending, so it's like, it's like, man, you you missed out. <laughs> I missed out on what sounds like a far better ending. Yeah, so I guess go on YouTube, check that out. Um, and also, I guess for you folks at home who want to see this film, um, outside of importing a copy, I don't know how you can see that without going to YouTube. Yeah. So I guess watch the film and then. Which I hope you have already, but and then go back to it. So uh, I guess we uh, negative. Steve, sounds like you're gonna have some because you didn't quite care for some of this film. Apparently, I, I guess. Uh, my biggest negative was the weird for me, uh, because throughout the whole film he's kind of uh, shown to us as kind of a lovable buffoon who turns out to actually be like a a real badass that he left behind in his life. But it, like I see, he keeps on getting shown to us as someone that we're kind of root for that we like. But the film opens with him murdering innocent people. So every single time I found the movie trying to make me, like, enjoy the weird, I just kept on finding myself going, no, he's a fucking piece of garbage. I don't care about him at all. I don't think I'm that bad, because I think if you want to think in, like, a, I don't know, let's, let's, let's sit in a Korean seat for a second. He's a Korean character, and on the train he shoots up, like, Japanese soldiers, and he's stealing from a Japanese person. Mm-hmm. So I guess in that regard, like, in the scope of this film and its original, like, and I guess it's also his time period, he's also seen as the good guy. Because he's only stealing from a Japanese banker. I don't, I don't know if there's a banker. I guess in the way you say he's stealing from the Japanese army. He shoots up Japanese soldiers. So, I mean, everything there, I guess, I can see, like, in that regard, thinking he's a piece of shit. But my, I don't know. I also see it as, well, he's a bandit. He's shooting up Japanese guys, which in this film are considered the bad guys. Like, the big evil. Yeah. I guess at that point in the film, the Japanese being the big evil was not introduced yet. So I couldn't mm-hmm. read it in that point. Okay, and it so just, just kind of got you. Yeah, it just got me too early. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. I, it's rare for me to be able to root for bandits as a good guy because they're fucking criminals. And it's just I don't know. It's a it's a very thin line. And for me, it just didn't work out. Okay. Uh, especially again by the end of the film, he's saying that he doesn't want to get into a gunfight and kill people for no reason and risk getting killed for no reason. But it that seemed like a very starchy difference with how the film opened with him shooting up a train car full of people, even if they were the evil Japanese. I don't know. It just... His character did not flow with me. And I, and I liked scenes with his character. Like I said, I liked the ending. Uh, I liked when he escaped from the camp. Well, quote-unquote escaped. And just went right back to his tent. Um, but I just, I, I just felt that the movie kept wanting me to really like him, and I could not just because of how the movie opened with him. Okay. I guess, I mean, for me, I, I don't know. I guess it rode the line just fine for me where I did like him. I thought he was a lovable buffoon. Uh, yeah, he murders people, but I don't know. I guess you could say in, like, many times, um, 
I don't know if I can draw. I can't draw an example off the top of my head. I guess you could say like action movies where the lead, like Schwarzenegger Stone, killed plenty of people, mm-hmm. and that doesn't really affect those characters at the time. Right. So I mean, I guess but again, like you said, there's a line didn't work for you, did for me. I guess you could also juxtapose the juxt- juxtaposition with the bad who is blatantly murdering. Oh, absolutely! Like the bad is bad versus the weird. Is not like and him. even at the beginning, like like the the bandit only shoots up guys who are armed. Like he has no intent, true intention at the time of sh- of killing um, the other people. Yeah, the the girls. Yeah, yeah, the girls and everyone else until everything kind of the train stops. Everything kind of fucks up there, and his guns gun mis- you know drops and he fires. He just shoots, just shoots everyone directly in front of him. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, in a way, so I, I don't know. No, I, 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 I totally see him. your point, but I I think that is just one of those sub- super subjective things where just it worked for you, but it just for some reason didn't work for me. Right on, totally, right on, right on. So I guess you really liked the good because he was a super cool guy that was very good with rifles. <laughs> super good with rifles. No, no, I don't need a, I don't need a handgun. I got a, I got a white, I got a rifle. Pew pew. Pew pew. Uh, but that was the only thing I didn't like. I mean, there was nothing else in the movie that I really actively disliked. Um, there was a few points where like I was losing interest, but not. It wasn't like a pacing problem or anything, and I, I don't really even have much of an uh, explanation as to why. But there was a few points where I was just going like, man, is something else going to happen here? And I don't know why. So I, I can't even like I can't I have no suggestions on what to fix. I have no really understanding of what may or may not have been wrong during those scenes. Just there's a few points throughout the film where I was starting to uh, kind of get bored with it, but to pick back up quick again. So yeah, that happened. And we've discussed that before. Sometimes films just don't quite get you. Mm-hmm. Sometimes either either it's the timing you're watching it or something else. But that's cool. Uh, I would give the film a four and a half. I think it's near perfect for me. I love the film. It looks great. Everything hits on all cylinders for me. I'd give it a three. Fair enough. Yeah, I give it a three. You know, it's a oh, it's a well-made film. Looks great, cut together, great, uh, good, good enough story and characters. Uh, I guess again, it just didn't click with me as much, but still good film. Right on. Uh, so I think that I guess for both these films, you're going to get some recommendations from me and Steve. Absolutely. Yeah, I would absolutely. Which I, which I can't ever say we've. I don't know. Off the top of my head, I can't think we ever think of. We talk about many films we don't recommend. I think the so. only film that I really wouldn't recommend is Revolver. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, no, don't think you'd recommend. Uh, that. I think I, I'd even recommend Caddyshack too. Periodic curiosity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, check this out. It's not that bad. Yeah. So I think uh, the worst film, the worst film reviews we've had have been uh, Revolver, which even then we, I still scored that a three. I remember. I just wouldn't recommend it. And Weekend of Bernie's too. And Captain America. Winter oh yeah, Soldier. Captain America Winter Soldier. Piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's amazing that the movie that everyone in America loved is the only movie that we unanimously agree is not good. That we just did not like. <laughs> that's fantastic. Uh, if you want to send us hate mail, uh, please. you can get a hold of us at moviefilmswithbillandsteve at gmail.com. And you can also find us on our Tumblr of all of our other episodes at moviefilmswithbillandsteve.tumblr.com. We're also on iTunes where you can leave a five-star review and say, hey, these guys don't like Captain America Winter Soldier, <laughs> but boy, did they like Weekend at Bernie's 2. <laughs> uh, Weekend at Bernie's 2, officially better than Captain America Winter Soldier. Officially. Uh, put that in the, get a DVD. Re-release of Weekend at Bernie's 2. Star, star stamp on the front. Two out of uh, five, better than two. Captain America Winter Soldier, Steven Sinski. The movie films of Bill and Steve says. That, that, that's what they want. That's what they want. And of course, we're also on Facebook. You can give us a like. Check it out when we make all the posts. See the cool cover art that Steve always makes for our shows, which we always appreciate and love, and they're always hilarious. And, you know, that's, of course, movie films of Bill and Steve. And for the more intimate Lovable Bill experience, you can find me on Twitter at, at Lovable Bill. 
And you can check out my films at silverspotlightfilms.com or facebook.com slash silverspotlightfilms. Oh, and real quick, I know we'll mention again, uh, what's the uh, street date for Captain Z and Terror of Leviathan? Oh, the uh, street date for the worldwide release of Captain Z and the Terror of Leviathan is May 19th, so next month it's coming up. You can uh, find it on Amazon and pre-order it now on DVD. I, uh, maybe I can post that link on the uh, Movie Films of Bill and Steve Facebook page, uh, because you can't find it searching for it yet on Amazon. Uh, just because yeah, you should probably do that. Um, but also, you can already find it if you search, like I think, uh, on Kmart's website, on Sears' website, on Barnes and Noble. You can find it already, and at uh, on New Dimension Comics or that big comic store that always advertises in all the comic books. I for right. yeah, I forget what it's called offhand, but you can also find it there on that website, which is cool. That's good to hear. And that comes out a couple weeks after Avengers, so Avengers doesn't have to fight with you guys. Yeah, for, so I, for I, when Everyone Must Die came out, it debuted the same weekend as Dread and Dread Bombs. Sorry again for that, guys. Uh, it's all your so fault. I didn't, Steve Rudinowski. So this is coming out. It's not the same day as Mad Max. It's not the same day as, you know, Avengers. So you're welcome, guys. So you can take your entertainment budget, go out there, and pick it up. So for May, and... all you need to do is order... Uh, Captain Z and the Terror of Leviathan, and also pick up uh, a ticket to see Mad Max. Those are the two films you should that, see this month. That sounds the best. And also, currently, Captain Z, if you pre-order it, is only eight ninety nine. Oh, jeez, that's a fucking deal. Uh, because it's uh, going to be a twelve dollar like retail price, which is totally fair, you know, for an independent yeah. movie. But it's only going to be a twelve dollar regular retail price, and since it's uh, pre-order on Amazon, it's currently like you know, three bucks. It's twenty five percent off if you pre-order. So. That's a really good. That's a really good deal because that's a really good movie, guys. So go check it out. Uh, and then uh, that's been our moment of plugging stuff. And as always, I've been Bill. I've been Steve. I was thinking about doing the horrible Japanese racist thing again, but I I can't. That's the sound of the Gion Shoja Temple bells. I think I did, did I say that right. Let's say it again. Let's do it like Quentin Tarantino. That's the sound of the Gion Shoja Temple bells. What the fuck is wrong with you, Tarantino? Piece of shit. I hate you. <laughs> he loves feet. <laughs> <laughs>